You are listening to the Trans Narrative Podcast. The Trans Narrative Podcast is dedicated to fostering a safe and inclusive space for the trans community. It provides a platform for trans individuals to connect, share their stories, and find support within their own community. Join me, Caroline Penny, Aria Lackey, Christina Primakis, Lucy Balzano, and the rotating panel of gender-diverse co-hosts as we create a space where trans voices are heard and celebrated. The Trans Narrative Podcast may contain explicit material, sensitive topics, and discussion. Explicit material featured. Parental consent is advised. Welcome back to the Trans Narrative Podcast. I'm Salamander Brandy, and today I'm joined with Athena Pomarcus as we meet Dr. Michelle Stoffer. Hey there, beautiful souls. Today we have an incredible Dr. Michelle Stoffer joining us on the show. Welcome, Michelle. Before we dive into these all things physical therapy, wellness coaching, and your adventurous spirit, I want to share a few things about Michelle that I'm excited to explore with her. Dr. Michelle is a doctor of physical therapy, a national board certified health and wellness coach, and even a level two point dry kneeling certified clinician. Quite the impressive resume, hmm? right? She's also passionate about helping people move and feel their best, both physically and mentally. And beyond their and beyond her professional expertise, she's a true adventurer always seeking out new experiences in the great outdoors. Whether it's skiing, hiking, camping, mountain biking, or off-roading, you'll find Michelle out there soaking up that beautiful Rocky Mountain air in Colorado, her adopted home. So join us as we delve in the fascinating world of physical therapy, wellness coaching, and living life to the fullest with Dr. Michelle Stockford. Get ready to be motivated and inspired. Good afternoon, doctor. Or do you prefer Michelle? Just Michelle. Or Dr. Michelle. Or what, what do you, how do you want to do this? I No worries. I, anything is good with me. You can even go with Michelle. I'm a very casual person. So whatever comes out your mouth, if it's nice, I roll with it. Well, I feel you. I just want to be respectful. But uh, uh, thank you for joining us. Um, you know, Glad to have you here. Please tell us a little bit about what you do. Uh, thank you so much for having me today. It's a pleasure, truthfully. Uh, I, like you said, I'm a physical therapist. I'm uh, in Denver, Colorado is where I reside. And I work with the queer community as a whole. And then I have a little special place in my heart for uh, the trans population and making sure that they get quality, inclusive, safe health care. And when I came across y'all's podcast, I said, you know what? We we gotta have a conversation. These these people are some cool people, and I'd love to uh, spread the word about physical therapy and why it's so beneficial for the trans community. And I uh, look forward to doing that today with you all. Absolutely, well, th- we appreciate you sharing your experience with that. Um, so uh, basically, though, just want to make sure we can kind of get plugged in. So, is there like a special need specific within kind of like the trans community that you'd noticed that that maybe hadn't been addressed before? Yeah, so 
for those F to M and non-binary undergoing top surgery, that was a really big thing I learned about that these people were having the procedure and not receiving any type of physical therapy afterwards. But I know of people with cancer undergoing double mastectomy, one in the same procedure, they have an automatic referral for physical therapy. And I said, I was like, why, why is that happening? You know, that's not right. Oh, wow. I was wondering, does that come in any dangers for not receiving uh, physical therapy after such a procedure? I mean, dangers is a, is a hard word, but it definitely puts you at risk of some different limitations later on because you're left with, depending upon the procedure type that your surgeon does, you could have some big limitations because like a double incision is a, a big incision on your chest that that that's a lot of tissue and different things involving that area that to me, it's, it's amazing that there isn't a physical therapy referral when that is what we do. We help with scars and we help with mobility and pain and just returning to function. And for some kind of gaining new function, right? Because you probably uh, felt limited in what you could do because of discomfort with the chest, different things like that. And now that you get to feel more like you, you want to do more, but maybe you haven't trained for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Uh, so often people in the community are left out and don't are not thought about uh, that recovery point. So I really appreciate you. And, uh, you know, uh, thank you for being an advocate for you know our community. Uh, do you have any personal experiences or uh, uh, personal stories uh, that uh, brought you to this, uh, you know, that brought you to this work? Yeah, I mean, like I said, some different people in my community that getting talking with that, I find out six months down the road post-op that they didn't have anything. And when I get to talking about what physical therapy does for scars and surgery as a whole, time and time again, people are like, wow, that would have been so helpful. Um, And even I uh, have someone close to me that was really fighting to just have a breast reduction surgery, not a full top surgery and Mm -hmm. had no guidance or anything, no techniques to try to help. And so I was able to help them pre-surgery work on their mobility, different things. And then Mm -hmm. after surgery, well, unfortunately they learned that they do have cancer because of some of the tissue taken. So now they're going through the double mastectomy and they're getting the referral because they have cancer. So they at least have that guidance, but they're super thankful now post-op of a double mastectomy to have had the pre-work to train their body. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, um, for our audience, uh, can you please explain these terms, uh, double mastectomy and top surgery? Could, could you Just to kind of give some is? basic terms here. Yes. Yeah. So top surgery as a whole is rather like wide encompassing. Um, because you could have more uh, like breast augmentation or chest masculinization. Um, So you can kind of think if in in a gender binary, one or the other, um, and then between those, they can delineate down to a lot of different um, subsets of for a chest masculinization, which is when I say top surgery today, that's more what uh, I'm referring to. Um, But you could have more of like, 
The two most popular is a keyhole style, which just works around the nipple um, and is usually for smaller chested people. Or you have a double incision where you see the line going across the chest as a whole. Um, so it's a much larger incision, and that's usually for larger chested people. And so those are the two types of top surgery procedures. Um, but then I'm not, I get so caught up in what I'm saying that I feel like there's a part <laughs> two of your question. <laughs> oh, no worries. Just to kind of help give us a little bit of terms uh, on, on like how to kind of uh, differentiate there. Um, so just to like, there, there are obviously different needs for different people. And of course, trans femmes also have different time, kind of top, top surgery to augment uh, the, you know, breast augmentations and things like that as well. Um, so what kind of, uh, um, special like let me try i'm gonna run back up to that a second <laughs> um so what's special kind of about a top surgery like specifically when you're removing tissue that you need to be considerate of whenever you're trying to to make sure you're retaining function yeah so that's part of um like why you want to vet your plastic surgeon and why them posting uh, pictures of their procedures is so critical because it's still an overall new thing versus the breast augmentation where you're um, more informally doing breast implants has been around a lot longer. Uh, but you're having to follow, there's lines in the skin of tension. So the surgeons are paying attention to that as well as, you know, if you're removing tissue off your chest, and you're used to having that tissue, well, can you still raise the arm up? Because when you raise your arm, if you do it, you feel your chest stretch and the skin move. So those are all things that like, that's why plastic surgeons are so highly qualified as surgeons, because those are all things they're paying attention to when they're doing the procedures. And that's why there's different options for the surgical technique based off of the person's body type and um, all that different stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that, that makes me want to ask. I'm sorry, Athena. Oh, uh, oh, I just, it makes me want to ask. Um, you know, surgeons are people too, and uh, sometimes people have uh, biases. Uh, do you notice any bias uh, between people within the trans community? How they get their mastectomies versus somebody who, without that? You know, outside of you know the LGBT. Have you noticed anything like that? You know, I I can't speak directly to that but you know i if i was to infer and kind of put my own opinion on it you think who's willing to work with the trans population especially in the u.s with the different legislation going in on different states a lot of people providers are not wanting to do any type of lgbt care for fear of being reprimanded um but then it's also a newer procedure versus all that different stuff that I like to think for most people who are willing to do it, they're doing it for the right reasons. Um, I know of a couple that I just follow on social media that uh, personally, the people I've worked with, they've gone to and they've really liked and like their whole Instagram is all about the trans and gender affirming surgery and this is that. So it's usually like, you know, you're in good hands because that person is like dedicated to it. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, I happen to also do this procedure. It is what they do. It is their 40 hour week. Well, probably more than that as surgeons, right? <laughs> but that is their full-time thing. Okay. That's nice. 
Um, you know, I've known uh, plenty of trans women who went for back alley procedures, you know, either for this or that. And some, a lot of times we end up, you know, unalived because of that. So I, you know, always want to try to see what signs or wonders that we should, you know, should look out for. So that, thank you for answering that question. Uh, so, of so, uh, I just want to know, um, you do a lot of advocacy work for us. May I ask, how do you reach out to us? How do you, how do, or how do people, do people come to you? That's what I want to know. Uh, it's honestly, it's one of those things of part of why I'm glad to be on this podcast is to spread the word because I think for a lot, you know, not even thinking just the trans community, people as a whole of what all physical therapy can do for someone and the many different avenues you find physical therapists. Uh, I think that's a thing that we're trying to work on as a profession. So uh, for me, it's a lot of reaching out and being a part of different trans communities as obviously an ally, since I'm not trans myself, but an ally, especially as a person and as a health provider to let them know, Hey, this is available to you. Hey, this will help you. Hey, don't do this. Hey, be aware of this or this, those types of things. So it's, it's right now, it's a lot of me seeking people. So that way they get the care that I know they deserve when they likely don't know about it. But ideally right in the future, people are going to be, Hey, I'm planning top surgery. I need to get myself a a safe physical therapist. So I've got that in my tool bag to get me the best possible outcomes. Absolutely. Well, yeah, that's let's beautiful. Kind of talk I'm about sorry. like the, the work that you do to, to help people prepare them. Cause like that's, it's super important. You, you're surgically changing the topography of your body and you kind of have to mold maybe the topography to work with, to make sure there's going to be uh, ideal healing happening. Um, that, that's pretty complicated and it's probably very individuated. There's not something you can necessarily advise anyone or everyone to do uh, to, to help kind of get uh, started on. So how would you uh, tackle like a, a, a patient on uh, to advise them in general? Yeah, right. Because everybody is such an individual of even if I have all y'all move your body, you're going to probably move differently whether you know it or not, just because that's your body. Um, but as a broad scope, you know, uh, I like to think, especially if we're thinking F to M non-binary people have been binding and they're looking to have that full chest removal. They're usually without realizing it, or sometimes realizing it a little bit forward hunch, their shoulders are rounded forward, trying to hide their chest because that's, that's where that, you know, disassociation between their exterior and interior happens that if you imagine just staying like that for eight hours a day and then all of a sudden that piece that is bothering you is gone and you try to open up without a surgical incision like that's going to be a lot that's going to feel like holy moly I'm getting really stretched and then when you add a surgical incision then you have that so that's where that like prepping the body is really important is preparing it that you're going to be so confident in your body that you're going to be, you know, walking like those, uh, you know, the guards outside the Royal Just Castle forward. where they're, yeah, like super upright, more upright than I 
even chest out. <laughs> like, chest literally, <laughs> literally called chest out for a reason. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I feel like that lack of confidence, you know, I notice I, you know, I do, you know, I help people uh, massage them, you know, try to help them walk and stuff like that. I'm not, I'm not licensed or anything like that. I just help my neighbors, you know, people who need help. And I know it's a lot of people carry a bunch of tension in their back, especially when they are in lack of confidence and such. And I feel like that just creates a whole host of other problems. And and I feel like once you lose that that one thing, you know, the chest or the lack of there, of you're gonna woo your body, then you you just never expect it. So wow, we. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I, was, I was wondering, do you see any um uh um uh, 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 a lack of referrals for PT uh, for people who do have tarp surgery or for like uh you know uh, in comparisons to people with uh double mastectomies or is there one or the other that gets uh more uh um. More I attention, guess, yeah. More attention to more referrals than uh, other than yes. Yeah, uh, I mean, honestly, it's there's pretty much nothing, and uh, the sad part is people who, when they're going, I'm getting double mastectomy. It's that's usually the cancer origin, and I think because of the research that's been done around cancer, that's why they get that PT referral because they know the influence of exercise in cancer, especially with chemo and this and that, they're not even really thinking the double mastectomy. They're thinking lymphedema and cancer related fatigue and such. Whereas uh, for people undergoing top surgery, they don't have, hopefully they don't have that underlying cancer. It's simply just a large surgical procedure that, is going to limit their movement. And so far of the people I've worked with, the other crazy thing is these plastic surgeons who are not physical therapists, you know, they have a wide array of rules or as they like to say, protocol to follow after the surgery. And that's hard for a surgeon to do because their job is surgery and they're not following up with that person on a regular basis, like a physical therapist would, whose job is movement, scar management, tissues, getting you back to the body you you were in and even better now that you feel more comfortable in it. And so, yeah, it's just, no, there's, I mean, I don't have a objective number. That's something I, I want to try to obtain, but from the people I've worked with, They've sought me out because of whether it was seeing stuff I was posting, hearing through their community, some way like that, the classic word of mouth, the way we trust in each other, not just other information as part of the queer community. That's that's how it's done. And ideally that changes once the plastic surgeons become educated oh, and aware. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It always seemed like it has to be some star and top down, but uh Honestly, it's uh, the word of mouth before we do anything digital, just talking out with our friends or uh, being a voice for the community. Uh, that gets overlooked like a lot. So, again, kudos to you for uh, uh, doing that. Just open up and uh, mean a space where people can come to. So, thank that you. Definitely sounds like an area to me where, like, maybe we, we've got our, our, our blinders on for, for how this could. Uh, possibly mitigate harm, but also just improve outcomes in general. 
when we're talking about, you know, uh, people going through cancer and all the research and, and intense money that we've poured in through that, you still have to get all of the approval for insurance companies to make sure that you've, you know, uh, crossed all of the T's and dotted all the I's to get the funding for all the research, all of the, the therapies and all of things like that. When it comes to transgender surgeries and things like that, a lot of it isn't covered under insurance and in some states it's not allowed for. And, you know, there's, there's all kinds of complications that are going on state by state, having like uh, some ability to like have a standardized set of ways for all insurance companies to treat our healthcare would be beneficial or a standardized way that even our, our, our Medicare could tr uh, treat for transgender health would be amazing. Physical therapy though, is kind of a part of that uh, encompassing care, but it's very much important for, how how uh, we can live in our day-to-day -day life and and you know I, I always think nowadays we live just about forever but not all of us live comfortably we start becoming uncomfortable and sedentary in the way we live start limiting our motion and things like that uh so like whenever it comes to uh your 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 role sorry i went on like a huge tangent there i don't want to bring it back somehow <laughs> no, and land no, it. no no i feel you though uh Tina. Uh, it gets overlooked a lot. Healthcare in general gets overlooked a lot. They don't treat it as something that is required for daily living. You know, uh, they treat it like it's a business. And you know what I'm saying? Uh, it just it's this whole business model and like what mode you fit into. Like if you're not in a certain subsection, that's gonna meet the mo max the maximum uh, uh outcome or the maximum profit, then you're gonna get a. Uh, I'm here, and that's what I've seen. Uh, uh, you know, we do it to the elderly uh, when it comes to their health care uh, as well. Uh, we pretty much stick most of the poor uh, amongst us in these homes where people are not getting paid enough to care of them because, like, they don't see them as actual employees or they don't see them as actual people. You know, I'm sorry if I'm going on intention, but yeah, that triggered me. Um, do you uh, see any misconceptions uh, that uh, within the, or any challenges within the trans community? that uh, people have when it comes to uh, uh, physical therapy, any challenges or any misconceptions? I know you already spoke on it a little bit, but I want to, I want to know something that you want to may highlight that you bring to our audience attention. Totally. No, I mean, y'all are trying to get me on my soapbox about healthcare <laughs> over here. Like, <laughs> Please do. don't, don't I, tempt me with a good time. Like I got a lot no, of feelings no, no. about it, but. Please and, do, because more people <laughs> speak about it, uh, more we get, uh, fast we get some change happening. It, it's uh, a part of our way, a part of our identity and reality. If mm -hmm. we're seeking to transition through medication or through, you know, uh, through surgeries, things like that. And there's so many barriers in a way. So yeah, we're pretty yeah. political about healthcare and our choices and, and desires of what we want. For it is for me uh, in my community here in Memphis it is a daily threat to our lives. The amount of lack of healthcare that we have. And the more we talk about every aspect about it, you know, uh, the uh, the more we talk about it, the more complex that uh, people are more aware of it, and more we can uh, find ways to do uh, do stuff about it. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I, I, like we uh, in Memphis, the healthcare, the uh, hospital district is slowly taking over poor neighborhoods, making more room for the doctors. But like, it, you think it, uh, people health would be better, but nobody's able to afford this shit. Like that's yeah. real. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's like we spend all this money for St. Jude and the families taking over neighborhoods and gentrifying them, and it, it, the problem's not going away. So something else is happening. Something else needs to change. So please 
You got a soap box, honey. This is a place to spread it. <laughs> Set uh, it up. Like people gonna listen to you in the drive and like say, "Damn, that is really inspiring." Man. Would, yes, please do. Yeah. Sorry. Well, hey, uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh boy. Yeah, I'm like also the extrovert. I'm like, I could talk for three hours. Y'all gotta get make me sh- quiet down. But uh, no. So the big thing, like, I I got family in small small towns, like. Uh, Colorado is, there's Denver, it's big, but very quickly it becomes rural. And I had to, I had to be a spokesperson for my grandfather when he was dying as, you know, white older man, but he didn't know anything. He's out in the country and guess what? The people who know something are staying in the city, but then there's not really cell phone service or anything like that. So I'm getting cut in and out, trying to understand the doctors, what they're saying to him and having to advocate of no, you are going to drive him in an ambulance two and a half hours into the city because what he's having happen is not okay. And, it, you know, if it wasn't for me being that spokesperson, my other family, they they didn't go to college that they, they don't know anything. If that person's in a white coat, they're going to listen to what they say and not know any better. And sometimes that person's not always right that you gotta, you gotta ask questions. And then when you start thinking about the queer community and that, that external difference between providers instantly becomes, oh, you're making stuff up, or oh, it doesn't matter, or da da da, and you get blown off. And that- I actually, I actually had an experience or like that. A friend of mine, uh, she had problems with her leg, and her doctor just basically stuffed her foot in a boot, and uh, the boot was making it worse. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, they took it to the doctor, and the doctor instead of seeing what's going on with their leg, they just try to cram it in the boot anyway because they knew they were those uh, uh, non-binary trans person. So it's like people get ignored. It's, so yeah, that's a universal uh, experience for me because like a lot of my family didn't go to college either and I have to try to explain to them, hey, what you're doing is hurting yourself. Like just because the doctor approved me these things uh, doesn't mean, it doesn't mean squat. I have had a doctor give me 300 pills of uh, a 30 milligram of, of a substance, I can't for 300 milligrams of a substance that he wanted me to take nine, you know, take three of a day, uh, like three of a day, and and I just came in for a, a, a arthritis in my leg. I don't know what the hell this uh, this medication does. They said it's not uh, pain relief. It's not for pain killer. It's uh, something for your nerves, nervous system. It, it just like like. I don't know what I'm taking. Like I, it just causes a huge distrust between me and my doctor because they're just trying to see the, as many patients as possible and get me out the way. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's uh, not that, a time for that individual education on on healthcare. Uh, we've got all sorts of resources to try and and make sure that we can spread it around. But like you said, there's just so much difficulty in in reaching the right communities in the right way sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and it, it goes for everything too of like the the physical therapy prof- profession is such a strong preventative i mean in it in its essence it is a preventative thing it teaches you how to be well with your body without the medications of just popping pills and not understanding what it's doing and what it's going to do later on but even with all the knowledge that we have about like acute low back pain i've had it I'm sure all y'all on here have had it. All listeners have had it. You go to the ER. I just had a friend is in such bad back pain. He went to the ER and he got muscle relaxers, 
pain pills and sent home. And I go, but what about a physical therapy referral? Because we have extensive research that getting physical therapy within a week of acute low back pain onset decreases reliance on medication, improves outcomes, like essentially lowering the risk of addiction and having that whole gamut happen in our country. Yet are the ER physicians and such sending people out of there with a physical therapy referral? No. So there's a, there's a whole thing. (laughs) I honestly feel like uh, drug addiction causes their profit to go up. And I feel like physical therapy causes their profits to go down. I feel like that's a huge motivator as to why that is what it is. Well, they can print and stamp pills, but they can't print and stamp time spent with a person one-on-one. And honestly, like I think that's a lot mm-hmm. of reasons for our uh, mental health, of uh, physical health uh, 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 crisis that we're going through now. Hell, I, uh, uh, I, as a person who was raised in the black community, we say it all the time. The government been had a cure, cure for HIV and AIDS. They've been had it. They're just slowly releasing it. Because you can't really make money off a of cure. You can make money off of the illness. And it, it, it just, you, you, can't, you can't make money off of people not being addicted to crack and drugs. You can't make money on the side by selling it to the community. You know what I'm saying? Things like that. Mm-hmm. Things like that. And the healthcare it, system is ass backwards. It is ass backwards. <laughs> it, it's designed that way, I feel. Uh, you yeah. said earlier that there are benefits uh, 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 that uh, PT, physical therapy, is uh, is a good preventative as well. Uh, do you know any good uh, – what are some of the benefits of doing physical therapy before top surgery as well as after? What are some of those? Are there any? Yeah, so the, the benefits before is that it's that prepping the body for surgery of – uh, the best way, gosh, I usually try to speak in, I don't even know if it's called analogies. I'm not an English person. I'm a science person, <laughs> but you, you know, you, you haven't moved in a certain way. And ideally you're going to begin moving in a different way after surgery. Cause you've found this new, new love for your body that you just got to prep the tissues. And then with that, you have surgery coming in where you, it's a massive surgery, no matter what it is, the body's tissues are getting affected. And I think the body is so cool that it can recognize things like that. Like if you just take your nail and scratch your skin for some people, that's going to show up pretty like heightened and a different color than their skin tone. Now that's called something fancy. Some will have it more than others, but that quick was a reaction of your body that it registered something and things are happening. So you think that's that's what happens with surgery, that prepping your body, understanding what to expect, because the surgeon's not going to be on call, but hey, the physical therapist is there to let you know, like, yeah, your incision is healing well, or this area, there's getting to be a little bit more scar tissue buildup, and that's going to potentially create more tension and potentially create a larger scar. We really need to focus on this area. So if you don't, you know, I keep using the arm overhead because that's such a big thing of if you yeah. can't get your arm up overhead without like arching your back before you go into the surgery, you're definitely, I shouldn't say it in speaking, you know, definitives, but there's a very high likelihood that to be able to do that after the surgery, it's not going to, it's not going to come easy. And that's where that, like seeing that physical therapist and even strengthening the pec 
muscles and the bicep and the shoulder, everything like that. Um, and a lot of people have, they've got pain. Um, I don't know y'all's community and such, if you heard from people, but so far, everyone I've worked with, if it's not neck pain, it's shoulder pain. And, or they feel like their breathing is impaired because binding and not any guidance on safe binding. How do you know if the binder is the right size or anything like that? So imagine going to a physical therapist six weeks before your surgery, you can get your neck pain, the shoulder pain, mobility, da, 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 da. That's feeling better. Your body's in tip top condition for surgery, which is what they always want. Absolutely. So you're, you're definitely making sure that people are able to understand their full range of motion before as well. So if there are new capabilities or, or you know, uh, new things that they can they can do without uh, some of the weight off their chest, uh, that's, you know, uh, definitely going to be helpful to understand their progress and, and kind of find their, their joy, their euphoria through that as well. Uh, so uh, it's definitely important, obviously, though, afterwards to make sure you're taking care of like scar tissue and things like that. But some people come to you with scar tissue from those binds and inappropriate binds as well. Um, so are there any particular uh, insights you might give to people who are binding to make sure that they aren't damaged or hurting themselves? Yeah, this is, I actually just, um, I started from the recommendation of a friend, I started going on to Amazon and buying some of the cheaper binders I could find, because this is what, you know, we're, I shouldn't say we, but trans communities, you know, you're trying to make ends meet if you're having to pay for surgery out of pocket, right? You don't have $80 to maybe spend on a binder. So you're buying these cheaper ones. So it's, I really wanted to make sure I understood what are these different fits and what might you actually be feeling. And I always tell people the key thing is, right, you're, you're trying to compress the chest, but you still need your ribs to be able to expand, you want to like be able to move your neck and your shoulders without discomfort. Because once you start doing that, our bodies are meant to move. They're going to find a way to move sometimes at the expense of something else. If it's something over time. Um, so those are some, like, it's like broadly that of like, okay, am I happy with the chest compression I'm getting? Sweet. Now, can I take a deep breath? Can I move my arm the same as before? How about my neck? Is there any pain right now? No. Okay. That's good. Um, because I recognize that it's, it's hard not to wear the binder because of the dysphoria that you have sometimes. Um, and, and I tell people that I, I understand that if there's any way or any time that you feel most comfortable, you know, comfortable kind of being in quotations to, be out of that binder. That's just a classic posture thing of posture is not a one size fits all. It's moving through postures. So allowing your body to move without the binder, maybe even if it's just laying down because that's the only position you feel comfortable and not having that um, type of reaction to not having the binder on. And for some people it doesn't work at all. And I say that that's all right, you know? It's, it's not a one size fits all thing. It's, it's very individualized. We forget, we forget that the body is alive and it has its own personality and things that it needs. So it's like, we all look, we all look unique in that way. Um, mm -hmm. uh, is there any, I know you said there is no universal fit, but is there any particular exercise that's preferred or any errors that's preferred to be worked on uh, before surgery? 
Like, what's yeah, one I, of your favorite exercises? Honestly, I was like, everybody's all about them foam rollers. Oh. And even if you don't got a foam roll, it's pretty easy to roll up a towel or something like that, that uh, opening up the chest. Because I think us as humans, period, we could all, pro- I mean, I'm sitting here with my arms on my legs, like hunched forward. Like, as I say this, I'm like, oh gosh, I need to go open up my chest later. Um, that our, our work these days and with technology and all this, we're, we're staying in this forward position that I think opening up the body, uh, I like to call them snow angels where heck you could just lay flat on the ground and do like a snow angel motion. And you might find that you're like, oh, wow, that kind of feels like a stretch, <laughs> like, you know, and it's for different for everybody then maybe need to arch up. Um, so I love that personally. And then otherwise I like to strength is key. The muscles do a ton for the body with healing, metabolism, all that type of stuff. It is our working tissue that building strength in general for the region that you'll be working your back near your shoulder blades, good old biceps, you know, get some Popeyes and then uh, your chest, like especially the chest because I I don't work my chest out all the time. So like I do bench press once every two weeks and I'm like, whoa, I'm sore. <laughs> so if I've never done that before, like that's going to get it. But you think too of people before surgery, that's working out is one of the hardest things, right? Because that dysphoria really hits then in those moments, if you're moving around and such. So that's where it's the individualization has to come in of, okay, how are you comfortable and what positions and what movements? Okay. Now let's see if we can hit these different areas, but those are the areas of just opening up the chest and then just strengthening everything in that area to build that muscle and preparation. Um, a fun analogy I will say is with surgery, everyone thinks, oh my gosh, I'm so, I'm so weak. I lost all my muscle mass after surgery. And I tell people, no, they didn't take your muscle out of your body. How would you just suddenly lose muscle mass? That doesn't make sense. So I tell people, think about it like construction workers and there's 10 workers for the job. And they're working, doing this. Let's be real. Maybe before surgery, there's actually just like seven out of the 10 truly working. Three are kicking it, sitting on the side talking. Um, And then after surgery, now there's three workers that are working and seven are just doing their own thing. And you got to kind of knock them on the shoulder and say, hey, remember, this is the job. You got to get doing it. And then you start rebooting everything. And then over time all of those workers start working to where your muscle is actually engaging again. So if you think about that, if you can get as many of those workers cooperating before surgery, ideally fewer kick it and goof off after surgery. So then you just get ramping up faster. If that makes sense. I don't know if it only makes sense. Mind. I think it does, but the, yes. the problem comes when you're asking the, the workers to come back to work too fast if you're like trying to recover too fast. So any advice on after after surgery to make sure you're not uh, stretching yourself too far? Totally. Yeah. And that's where it's the guidance of seeing how you move because you should move, but you think of the same movement isn't the same for everybody of if I was someone who was running a mile a couple of times a week, well, going three blocks walking after surgery might not be that much, but to someone else, three blocks after surgery is going to feel like a mile run. Um, So it's really recognizing where you are at 
overall mobility and health wise to then know where you need to go in a slow buildup. And it's um, a lot of it's doing it with the incision out, the scar out, so you can watch and observe and get that external feedback from a mirror or something like that to really see and learn because it's going to be a whole different um, a whole different sensation and ballpark and it's it's wild to have people of especially larger chested go I don't think I ever actually knew what like right here on my chest felt like because my breast tissue would hang down and cover it. So I think just feeling air hit there, it'd be like shaving off your hair for the first time. You're like, whoa, that's what a breeze feels like on the top of my head kind of thing. So there's, there's just so much to it that it's like surgeons just expect you to do this yourself and do it right and not rush without meaning to rush and da, 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 that you can see how intricate it is that it's like, let me be your walking guidance. Let another inclusive therapist be guide you along the way. So you know yeah. for certain that you're not rushing back too quickly. Yeah, yeah. life life goes beyond the surgeon's table, uh, and weight move and stuff like that. Uh, quick question. Um, well, it's not really a question. For the people who are out there who are thinking about getting to physical therapy, what is something you could tell them? Because I'm pretty sure we need more physical therapists because people need uh, – a guiding hand or a warm touch. Uh, what is something you can do to convince them that go ahead, go in there and do it? You know, I would say, I always tell all of my people that call ahead, call ahead and interview the clinic, especially because you don't want to in- encounter somewhere that is going to p- potentially be harmful to you, um, whether it's physically or mentally, that, I mean, heck, across the board for healthcare, interview them and see, hey, I saw an Google that you guys are LGBT friendly. What do you do for X, Y, or Z? Those types of things that there's a lot of physical therapists out there. And there's, you know, I was just communicating with one in Georgia who's trying to do the same thing I'm doing. And I'm like, we're, we're out there. And even if it's not us particular who are trying to make it their day in day out of working with the queer and trans community that there's others out there that are inclusive and be like, you got this going on. Okay. We are going to get you because that we're just helping people. And this is why we do what we do. But you know, there's always a, a bad seed in the bunch. Oh yes. Most definitely. That's a good answer, but uh, the maybe I didn't say it right. What <laughs> I mean is uh, for people who are thinking about uh, becoming physical therapists, what are something uh, that you would, hey. yeah, my bad. I, I started <laughs> But I'm like, well, <laughs> well, some things because, like I said, like I said, people need a warm touch, you know, uh, when physical therapy, um, or they need a helping hand or a guy, like uh, you know, and people think about it, but just don't do it. Don't become physical therapists. Uh, is there anything uh, or a message that you want to give to them or share with them? Say, hey, go for it. Gosh, I mean, I go like you got you got to be passionate, and if you're passionate about something, like you're going to make it work and you're going to see things through and good mentors are everything because there is some there. I know I'll be, I'll be honest. There's some negativity out there in physical therapy because the crappy healthcare system keeps trying to cut our reimbursement. So the big box clinics that take insurance, they're going to, they claim, I don't have all their business information. They claim that they can't pay us as well because well, reimbursement's getting cut. 
but are they out there lobbying for physical therapy and this and that? Probably not. Are they the best business people? I don't know. I haven't seen their books, but it's that's, you know, recognizing that it it is a business unless you want to go and make like a nonprofit 501c or something. Heck, that's that's off. I I don't have the brain power to do that, but that, you know, that'd be a way. But if you're passionate, you got to find those people in your corner that give it to you real, but are like encouraging because I recognize that it's not the most lucrative profession out there. I'd probably be doing OnlyFans if that was the case or something, you know, like, but I love what I'm doing and money's not the the end all be all for me. It's, it's seeing the impact in people's lives. And, and that is something that's so cool because you're with these people, especially if it's like after and before top surgery. I mean, we're going to be together for at least 16 weeks. Like that's how long I'm working with people. Like that's a good amount of time that you, and you're just seeing this change happen. And I'm like, that's, I could go on and on about stories of people I've worked with. I've been working in physical therapy in some capacity for over 10 years. That's beautiful. Uh, uh, that is something I always advocate uh, for love over money. We, we'll figure out the money out later. Let's, let's do something we love and let's help spread some love and help heal some people. Um, is, I'm glad you brought up stories. What are some success stories or inspirational uh, 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 events around your uh, profession that you would like to share with the audience? Well, you know. Oh my gosh. I mean, honestly, just for my own of, it's amazing how, you know, seeing someone you have, you've got an issue, you, you know, you're having all these different things going on. You get the surgery, you're kind of scared, but then like, around that two and a half week mark, the incision is healing well. And pardon me. And these people, they just, they instantly start sitting upright. Like I haven't even said anything about posture. And I'm like, excuse me, I just need to make you aware. You are sitting up like a perky kid in a candy shop kind of thing or something. Like you just have this whole thing. And I'm like, I haven't even done anything but just the surgery itself and then them feeling confident and understanding they're going to have that guidance. Like that to me is like the the greatest thing is seeing that in that internal shift. And then they're just so excited to start being healthier because that, that big impact to being healthy is now gone. So they can do whether they, you know, I've had some who really want to get fit and others are like, no, I like being a larger body person, but like, I do want to feel comfortable doing whatever if I want to go to the gym and stuff like that. You know, it's just like, I, I, I could, I just sit here, like I'm smiling, just thinking about it, you know, that like, it's so cool to see that from people. I feel like that's the feeling of liberation when you're able to do that and you have better posture just by living, just by living in life and doing things and just being free and we're we're not hunched over by being ashamed of ourselves any longer so that's a beautiful story um and like i say uh again i can't thank you enough for being who you are uh you're a true liberator for real um uh what are some strategies that healthcare providers can uh, do to support you know the trans community in their surgery in their efforts and stuff like that for physical therapy care yeah, like as a physical therapist, what can they do to help out? Is that what you mean? Oh, I'm sorry. Let me reread the question. Like, um, 
like some key strategies or oh sorry 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 give me a second I gotta make sure I'm reading this correctly um do, 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 do. yeah how can healthcare providers and professionals uh better support the trans community in terms of physical therapy overall care and such like that what can the uh you know healthcare professions uh, you know the healthcare community do better what can y'all do better what can they do better sorry. Okay, no, now I got you because you know me, I can just make up the question and answer it. And <laughs> no, we, it's okay. Then, we, then we'll go back to the question you actually meant. <laughs> yeah, because like I have dyslexia, I will give you 10 questions and they're all the same question. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> done, done it again. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got you there. But I would say, so for me, I think about it as simply educating yourself, right? Of, even if you claim to be, let's see, I try to choose something random. I don't know. The expert specialist for, well, Achilles repairs in NFL players. That's happened a lot in the, <laughs> but uh, even if that's your thing, well, to become even more well-rounded, knowing that people in front of you are not just an NFL football player that who has an Achilles injury, there's more to them than those two descriptors that like, there's a lot of conferences and we all have to do different levels of continuing education. And I know that there's continuing education related to the trans community in some aspect for pretty much every healthcare profession that it's like, take that. Even if you're trying to be the sports guru or the rheumatology or whatever, like take that DEI course, take the whatever it may be, because that's going to help you for when that person walks in your door, because there are 20 different things that make up a person and more that when that comes to light, one, you'll create a space that it can come to light. That's partly it. And then two, that you can not provide greater trauma to that person. And now they've got another ally and da, da, da. Like, it's just, that's like the, one of the basic ways as like individually, we can be better as healthcare providers to um, support the trans community. Okay. That's beautiful. I, um, I, I said this before. Uh, so that, you know, um, well, I didn't say this part before uh, you can't never have enough allies, but uh, we know, that uh, we all need them, uh, even the healthcare professionals and stuff like that, because like they get under um, under um, underpay, underfunded, or just outright deny uh, and uh, the status of being an employee. You're just they see it more as family and stuff like that. Um, you know, and it's just something like coming together as a community, educating ourselves, and being there for one another. You know, coming in forward. So thank you for answering that. Uh, I, the reason why I brought this up is like it's just been reminding me of this book uh, called The Next Shift. Um, you should check it out. Um, it really describes how this lack of spaces for queer communities and how that ties into poor health. It, it, it ties into poor health and uh, uh, um, uh, undervaluing of care work that's seen as feminine or or uh, seen as feminine, or uh, just lack value, and you know, and I think there's something that everybody who works in the healthcare profession should see because their jobs do have value. Your job do have value, and it's a, a great service to the community. And 
without you, like without y'all, you know, I'm pretty sure we there will be a collapse, a huge collapse, honestly. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you ever do have any spare time, please check it out. It's a really good read. Um, you know, uh, sorry for plugging the book, not my book, <laughs> but uh, it's a good story because it uses um, it uses the Rust Belt as a uh, a microcosm for our system as a whole that's providing uh, uh, healthcare for ever growing elderly population, but not healthcare for the people who provide healthcare. You know what I'm saying? It just mm -hmm. uh, that's just seems like we're on a a uh, uh, course for societal collapse, and you know, well, people like you are helping keep the thing running and keeping this together. And I cannot stress how valuable that is, you know. Um, so yes, thank you, uh, Athena. Do you have anything to add? I was gonna say we've got about thirty minutes to kind of wrap up and things like that. Uh, I was gonna go grab some water if we've got some more points to discuss. Is that okay if I go ahead and just put myself on mute for a bit, and I'll be back in a second? Sure, All go right. for it, love. Yeah. We'll be back for you in just a minute. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. All right. Bye, yeah. Dana. See you right. <laughs> see you in a minute. <laughs> um, all right. Let me ask, uh, look through the, some of the questions. Uh, are there any specific uh, resources or uh, organizations that you recommend for the trans individuals or uh, seeking physical therapy? Oh, uh, uh, Caroline says take a break. Did you want oh, to take okay. a break? Yeah, we can do that. Honestly, I, I need to take my sweatpants off. It's gotten hotter over here. I, okay. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, yes. And we're back. Uh, Michelle, uh, do you remember the question I asked or did you want me to reread it? Re-ask? I was like, with, with how I'm going today, why don't, why don't you reread it to make sure I don't make up my own question and answer? <laughs> okay, sure thing, love. And I lost the question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, there you go. Uh, are there any uh, you know specific resources or organizations that you would recommend for trans individuals seeking physical therapy support? Yeah, I would say so. That's a crazy thing is for the physical therapy support. If you could do a better Google search than me, maybe you can find it, but it, it's it's not going to be likely unless you got a physical therapist in your area doing what I'm doing, where I'm, I'm really putting it out there that this is who I work with and this is what I do and this and that. Because some people, they might be, you know, not like me, they're going to be in a brick and mortar clinic that they don't get to do their own individual marketing. So they might be there, but it's just general physical therapy uh, at a superficial online level. Um, but the beauty for most people is that there's the, the community aspect and the word of mouth. And hopefully, you know, someone else who knows someone that ideally you can find a physical therapist, um, and hopefully by what I'm doing and the other physical therapist I mentioned, um, I made up that they're in Georgia. I think I don't honestly know where, what Southern state, <laughs> um, that people like us are going to keep spreading the word that when you seek out your, uh, gender affirming surgeon or primary care provider that they know a physical therapist to find. Um, I know personally in the U S there's a smaller company called Queer Doc and then Gender Confirmation Center. And those are two great resources that try to do um, different information. And ideally, 
through one of them, whatever you're going through, that they would have someone. Um, and then it, it kind of depends on like for the U.S., the this different states and what the the rules and regulations are. Where like Colorado, I'm I'm, I'm so 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 privileged and thankful to be here because we we have shield laws that make sure I am safe no matter what happens in other states and such. That they can unfortunately, if they keep banning and wanting to persecute all these different people and providers, well, I can keep doing what I'm doing and helping people that. Um, there's therefore a lot of different organizations in my state that have resources and can pass things around. So it's, it's hard to speak specifically because it can be so location dependent upon where you're at, but ideally those big name um, organizations online can help direct you and you can try to dwindle and funnel from there. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, like I said, awesome work. Awesome work doing that. Um, you know, um, so are you saying is because this is still uh, – hello, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, uh, so you're saying essentially there's uh, – it's still somewhat new that people – okay, I'm sorry. No worries. You want me to try a track at the next question? Go ahead, love. Uh, well, I just want to make sure we're, we're good to go here. I I think we're just about at the end of the script here. So oh. I want to give the opportunity to, for, for you to talk about some of your future plans. There and you uh, where are you moving from here? What are what are some of the exciting pieces of research? What are you picking up and, and learning about your field? Yeah, so that's, you know, because of everything I've been saying of how it's so hard to find online and such, that's where I've been really trying to take it upon myself of I've got two people in particular that I've worked with that have said I can... Um, write a case study about them for research so that way it gets out there and gets published to start doing and showing what physical therapy can do um, post-top surgery and have that because that's what some other medical providers love is they want to see their research not just me trying to sell them on it so that's that's kind of what I'm trying to do and keep building that number up I'm hoping in early 2024 to release an anonymous survey where I can get people from all over to basically report their, um, not, not symptoms, but just different experiences as it kind of relates to physical mobility and such to kind of show if I make something up right now that, oh, look at, of the 2000 survey respondents, 70% of them said that they had shoulder pain before top surgery and it was still there after top surgery and they didn't know what to do for like, and what's that as a result of maybe, you know, who knows what did, did binding make it so they had difficulty breathing different things. Like I haven't completely formulated, but that type of stuff. So I can use that to then help build once again, the case of why, physical therapy is so important and it, you know, it just takes one to then start that snowball effect. And I hope the other physical therapists I keep mentioning and the ones I don't know about, we just keep doing it. It's, uh, and ideally it, it kind of grows from there. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Let me, uh, give you a, one final question. Then I'm going to read uh, what are some investments that you want to see in physical therapy in the future? If any. 
Yeah. I, I just want to see more from everybody of, you know, I'd love to see what continues to happen from like a wound care perspective, because uh, like all the plastic surgeons recommend silicone taping and they want you to wear it 24 hours a day for six months to a year. And some people have reactions and this and that. So imagine if there's just a wider scope of products for the trans community in that specific type of situation, like that type of stuff would be so cool. And um, more conferences, there's a lot of trans health related conferences out there. Um, some more specific than others. I've seen one, I believe in the UK, um, out here in Colorado, Boulder had one that was open to the public and providers, which was really cool. So both providers and public could become better educated on everything it means about trans health in the community. Um, so those types of advancements, just getting bigger, it's, it's growing, right? We, we've always been around the queer community has always been here. The trans community has always been here. And as long as there continues to be safe spaces for us to be and live and thrive, we'll continue to see growth. I mean, and the surgeons are going to keep doing it that we, we got to keep advancing other things. Okay. And well, that's one of like, the biggest thing that we can see really is just that sort of spirit of inclusion, equity, diversity uh, in our community, knowing that we're not outcast or, or strange or bizarre or anything like that. Just being normal uh, and being regarded by normal as normal by our peers is super impactful to our lives and livelihood. I am normal. We are normal. Beep boop, beep boop, beep boop. <laughs> well, I, when I say normal, I just mean as opposed to like being something that's remarkable or, or worth attention or worth stopping for, worth changing your, your behavior. We're just human beings. Right. Uh, and I feel like that's actually revolutionary. Just like recognize that, hey, we're not monsters. Hey, we're uh, people too. We need health care too. Uh, we love just like you. And Yes. Uh, so, like I said, Michelle, that's very beautiful of you to come share your story with us. Um, um, I want to know one last thing. I keep saying one last thing, but what is something, any final messages or anything like that that you want to keep on to the people and stuff like that? Uh, uh, send out to the world. What would you like to say? Gosh, I mean, my, my favorite fun fact is that every single person on this earth, even identical twins, has their own finger and toe prints. So don't forget that you are an individual. You are unique. There's no one else like you. So remind yourself that and live your life and create your own path because no one else can do that exact path because there is not another you. Even if you have an identical twin, it is not you. And, and with that too, of find your community, right? Community is so key. That's the big thing in health and wellness is community means so many different things, but find a community and rely on that to help you through everything. And ideally you, you, you find health providers that can join that community as well. Uh, do you have any community out there? Uh, like anybody that you associate with that you might want to send a shout out to? Uh, I've got a like I've got some great like like I said Denver's just so awesome that like I've got a, a pelvic health physical therapist who um, works with a lot of the queer community and 
her name's Christina Holland. She just wrote a book about like pelvic health and understanding sex and this and that. And there's a queer um, acupuncturist out here. So like, I've got myself like a, a solid queer network and community of health providers to like really make sure that we are doing everything we can when people come see us that whatever type of thing you desire, we've got someone to like see. And I hope other providers do that. You know, that's quality care for me. Okay. That's nice. Uh, I'm pretty sure you being now in Colorado, you got a, um, a Kush, a Kush provider too, right? I'm pretty sure that's part, is there any part of, um, uh, I'm a pothead myself. Uh, is there any part of physical therapy, uh, any uh, marijuana treatments out there? I mean, I guess in the, it depends on the sense of what you're doing of like the, the, the CBD and all that type of creams and stuff, you know, like all those are great, but I I haven't personally done, there's so much that they're doing even with the, oh gosh, what is it? Psychedelics and there's different Ooh. people doing different things like that. And like, it's, it's cool. Like, it's just, I just feel so privileged. I am so privileged to be out here and like to have a space <laughs> that like allows us to do all that. And like, that's, that's, you know. that's, that's fantastic. Uh, uh, I'm, I've been to Colorado once I drove there. Oh my Lord, the mountains scared the hell out of me. But as soon as you get into the state and cross the, uh, welcome to Colorado, you smell Kush. I, that's why I smell. <laughs> and it was beautiful. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's lovely out there. I, you know, um, each time I go to the Spanish tree and I leave, I, I leave Rocky Mountain High. <laughs> yeah. I took a medical marijuana trip there oh, a couple of years back before it was legal in my state. And I was like, oh, we, we've got to have this back in my state. So they finally did pass recreational this last year in Missouri, where I live. Oh, shoot. I'm the weird one that I just, I don't do well with marijuana. My body, I'm like, everybody I think I'm different. <laughs> everybody, hey, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I love it. it. It's what I say. You just said it. everybody has their own path. Everybody, oh. even if you're a twin, you're different, totally different set of prints. Yeah. So everybody, everybody endocannabinoid system is different <laughs> and it affects them in um, a multitude of ways. So, hey, honey, you might, you, you seem like a very charming person. You might get high naturally, just smiling. Cause I, I'm, I think I'm getting, I think I'm getting a bit of a whiff through the screen. Uh, <laughs> Is that my superpower I've been searching for all this time? People yeah, just need yeah. to look at me on the screen and I'll make them better. I'm like, mm. uh, like I said, I appreciate it. Uh, you're a real warrior for uh, advocacy, uh, physical therapy, uh, uh, and like, People always put stock in uh, the words liberation and something like big conquest or something like that. But uh, it's uh, I'm not trying to say this is a, one of the little things, but it's uh, one that doesn't get seen the most, uh, seen a lot. And uh, yeah, well, please, um, can you recap a year with yourself? What, what, what's a good recap for you? I mean, I, I feel like with what you were just saying, too, it's just, you know, you're talking advocacy of like, my my being here and talking with y'all is really just making sure people understand that like in healthcare as a whole, advocate for yourself, question the doctor, ask him, why are you suggesting this for me? What will this do? You know, do those who, what, when, where, why is, and when you're going for exploring that top surgery journey, advocate for physical therapy and, and ask for it. And if, if someone's saying no to that, I'm questioning them as a whole because what like 
it, that just doesn't make sense in my physical therapist mind of like, sure, I'll write a for, referral for physical therapy. Like what's the harm, right? Maybe you go for one, you don't need it. You'll need more, but mm. <laughs> you know, like just, just advocate for yourself and, and maybe you go to two people just to compare and see who do you feel more comfortable with? Like just stand for yourself. <laughs> Right. Is that part of the message that you want us to take with us uh, part going into 2024? Yeah. Heck yeah. We, you know, we're, they're going to keep trying to knock us down, but I'll be that Oak tree. You ain't knocking me down. Right. Uh, And the community is the connecting roots and that's Mm -hmm. beautiful. There, there you go. Yeah. See, that's that, like the, that weed thought that I wouldn't be able to do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you, 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 they got to watch you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that's beautiful. And I, I make sure I take that to heart and I make sure I spread that uh, as well as our other audience uh, members of uh, the trans narrative podcast. Um, all right. I think, I think we're about that time. Are we, are we around that time? All right. Caroline, uh, you got to jump in right now and steer the ship into, into the Harbor. Otherwise it's just going to keep on careening out awkwardly to sea. <laughs> I, I was going to say, uh, do you have any social media or any uh, outlets that you want to talk about or anything you want to share with the audience? Yeah, actually, um, I primarily use Instagram. I just joined the TikTok world. Um, my The two videos I have on TikTok are actually my experience of trying on two different binders and really struggling with one as a thinner individual myself. Um, but you can find me, my, my business is coast number two, coast to coast wellness, or you can find me at doctor.stoffer.pt. Um, so I'm on, those are my two main socials. And I, with that, I say, you can follow me, reach out at any point in time. Like I want to help be an advocate for you of like, I'm always down to try to educate and answer questions broadly to help gear someone. I would never charge anybody for that because people just healthcare is scary and people just need a guide sometimes so if you have a question about anything i hope to help reach out and i'll respond hey everybody if you like this episode of the trans narrative podcast please be sure to subscribe like and follow the trans narrative podcast is on apple audible amazon music spotify google or youtube today's episode was recorded on november 11 2023 the show was hosted by me salamander brandy and athena Pomakis. today's guest was dr michelle stauffer this episode was edited and produced by caroline penny music and our theme song make it real to me written and produced by athena Pomakis. The Trans Narrative Podcast was created by Caroline Penny and brought to you by Spotify for podcasters. If you'd like to learn more and reach out to be a guest or looking to get involved with the show, email at us at transnarrativepodcast at gmail.com. The Trans Narrative Podcast is dedicated to fostering a safe and inclusive space for gender diversity. It provides a platform for connection, sharing stories, and finding support within queer spaces. Thanks for joining us here today as we hear the stories of the gender diverse peoples and celebrating our community.